As we jump in this morning, uh, it kind of prompted this uh, because one of the things that, that I, uh, we tend to have found out through all the psychotherapists and everybody else that are, are there, there's a team of seven doctors that are working specifically with Bethany, is that she is a perfectionist and they wanted to know where she got that and I said her mama. You know, it did not come from me. And so, uh, uh, but I, I do have an extreme heart for excellence and expect excellence in my home, expect excellence in the church, expect excellence in my own life and, and what excellence is. And if we're not careful, we'll transfer that excellence over to perfection. And I want to talk to you this morning about the difference between excellence and perfection and the, the opportunity there is in excellence and unfortunately of uh, the despair that goes along with perfection. So let's pray and we'll jump right into this. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this message. I just pray, Father, as we go through this, that, Lord, we will hear your voice speak to our hearts and, Father, we'll rise up and be men of excellence because the world needs to see men of excellence, not necessarily men of perfection because there is, is no such thing. Lord, uh, your son, Jesus, is the only perfect one who walked this earth. And so, Lord, as we discover your truth this morning, Father, may it be implanted deeply in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. As we jump in, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, what you'll see is the Apostle Paul states, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Now, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5, 48. He says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so Paul and Jesus seem to be uh, not necessarily speaking the same thing here. So let's just kind of distinguish what's taking place. Paul means to show us a more excellent way. As a matter of fact, Paul goes on to say, follow me as I follow Christ. And yet Jesus said it this way. He said, be perfect as I am perfect. Men, just know that Jesus cannot set the bar any lower than himself. He couldn't. Our God is perfect. Our God is perfect in love. He's perfect in care. He's perfect in grace. He's, he's perfect in all ways. And because he's perfect in all ways, he could not set the bar any less. He could have said, be almost perfect as I am perfect. But that's not who he is. And we have Christ who lives in us. So what Jesus is saying is the only way that you can be perfect. So last night I, I, in the Bible study with my kids, one of the things I was teaching them is um, do not judge lest you be judged. You know, went to Matthew 7 and we were covering that there, the Sermon on the Mount. And I said, uh, now, if you understand the difference between Shemaiah law and Hillel law, which, you know, my kids, their hands are in there. Yeah, daddy, we do. I'm just kidding. All right. But Jesus is addressing both of those things in that statement. And this is a little bit about what Jesus is doing here. He's addressing something because Hillel or Shammai, it doesn't matter which one that you follow, which, by the way, the Jews in that day and time followed one of the two. So what he's saying is he's saying, hey, uh, you cannot get there or be perfect by the law. So the only way we can find perfection in this life is Jesus in us, and greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. God accepts nothing less than perfection, but you will never obtain it in this life. Now, John Wesley would take it a step further. John Wesley would simply say that you can and should strive for perfection in this life, and that if you were able to, he believed it this way, suffer enough, some of our forefathers of the church believe that suffering brought us closer to perfection all right and so um uh, as a matter of fact is a very common theology from from really the time of reformation up until about 
the, the day of enlightenment or the time of enlightenment. Um, right in that was a very popular theology of suffering brings us near to perfection. All right. Now, the reason I'm teaching this is, is really as much for me as it is for you. But just know that excellence is not perfection. The only way perfection happens with us is in Christ. It means that we have to put our faith in him for us to be perfected before God. Does that make sense? In order for our sins to be forgiven, you've heard it this way, in order for our sins to be forgiven, whether it be the white lie with your finger, fingers crossed behind your back, any of you Catholics know what that's called? What kind of lie is that called? It's, it's a white lie, but, but the white lie is, is, is considered what in the Catholic Church? It's not a mortal sin, it's a good. Who said it? We got, we got somebody, venial sin. Yeah, venial sin, that's right, or venial sin. However you pronounce it, yeah, yeah. And so, so that one won't send you to hell, but the mortal sin will, right? Let me tell you. One's too many of any, all right? That's just the way it works. That's why we got to have Jesus for our perfection, for our wholeness, for our holiness. We have to have Jesus, and as we have Jesus, what, what happens is greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So what should we strive for? If, if perfection, right, is unobtainable, so to speak, in our flesh, and, and it is, as a matter of fact, Paul would take it further. He would say that sin is found where? He'd say, sin's found in your members. That, that statement always bothered me. I don't really like that statement. I'm going to unpack that one day when I understand it. <laughs> but he said, sin's in your members, and that, that just bothers me. Flesh cannot inherit, okay, the Scripture's clear. Flesh cannot inherit, right, eternity with God. The glorification, being in his glory, and that's why we're given new bodies that can. So as we go through that, we just need to see that perfection is found in Christ alone. If I had to make one statement, a founding statement this morning, it would be that the perfection is found in Christ alone. So we should strive for perfection because we should strive for Jesus. And yet at the same time, our expectation in striving for perfection should bring us to a place of excellence in this life. And excellence, this is the problem with perfection is perfection, you'll see yourself as a failure too often. And you'll find out that perfectionists, type A personalities, if you're in here, listen to me, type A personalities are more prone to depression than any other type of personality. Why? Because you strive for everything to be in order, to be in its right place, to, to be done perfectly. And when perfection doesn't happen, then that upsets you. And you drive more, you drive harder, you drive longer. Now, here's what our pursuit, pursuit should be. We, we pursue perfection because in Christ, right, he is perfect. So we pursue Christ is what I'm trying to say in that, right? And in finding Christ, he leads us to a place in our life that's excellent. It doesn't mean things are perfect. It means that we do things in excellence. We pay attention. Uh, pay attention. Excellence is not perfection. It's not. And, and where excellence takes us is to, to the place where we're ready to hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in the little things. I will make you faithful with a lot of things right in other words you have done your life in excellence and now I'm going to take you 
where you have more responsibility and more opportunity to do more things in an excellent way. So, uh, we want to hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. However, if we don't do things well, then we're afraid we're going to hear we, something else. You didn't do so well, my lazy, good-for-nothing <laughs> servant, right? And some of us have been raised that way, and, and, and you already have a stigma about you. You already got this fear in you that I'm going to come up short somewhere. Well, let me just help you with that thought. You will. All right? But it's just a thought. It's the truth, right? The truth of it all is that as we pursue Jesus, he is our perfection. And he, it's through his blood that we're able to stand in the presence of God. There, there is no one that will live. If we could live a perfect life, Jesus wouldn't have had to come. That's just the bottom line. But it doesn't mean that we should not live excellent lives. And excellence, it's an outstanding feature or quality. See, we would love for our church to have some outstanding qualities that invoke God for our people. We really would. I, I hope that when people come to South Bonham, that as they drive around the church, because I have a tendency to look, matter of fact, in, in, from Fort Worth to Dallas to Decatur, I've been looking at church, church buildings, um, getting vision for future stuff for us. And, and it's amazing how people don't keep the building of God up in excellence. It frustrates. I, I've seen beautiful buildings with weeds growing on their sidewalks. Just go, go south and the weeds are growing, man. I know it's cold up here. We got mustard weeds showing up. But other than that, you know, we don't have a lot. But you, you go south a little ways, and it just amazes me that they don't jump out there and take care of that, 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 that the house of God is, is in that shape. I hope, I, I can't tell you how many compliments we've had, people, people walking in these doors going, whoa, I had no idea that it would look like this, right? Because we want to set a standard of excellence. Our God is a perfect God. As we follow him, he leads us into excellence. How will they know if someone doesn't show them in more excellent way? And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Really, how will you know if I don't show you? I'm going to take the responsibility to show you a more excellent way. I'm going to show you this because the God that I follow is perfect. In the words of Picasso, he said this, All art, sculpturing, writing, painting, drawing, all of this, it energizes us. When we do things well, we are energized. And when I sculpt or when I write or when I paint, I am fully energized. Now, this is the difference. Excellence will energize us. When we do something in excellence, we become energized. But perfection demoralizes us because it will never be good enough. It will never be good enough. And yet Jesus states, like I said in Matthew 5, 48, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And, and, and what he's saying is, look, the only way, regardless of, there is none of these laws, Shemaiah or Hillel, neither two of these laws will ever bring you into perfection. You cannot get there that way. You have, have to get there through me. Perfectionism, it's an evil taskmaster. It is a Jezebel spirit that attempts to get everyone frustrated because you can't live up. One of the tests um, that I took on, on personalities years ago, of course, typed me, and I'm not going to tell you what that type looked like. But, but as it typed me, um, the personality is someone who strives for perfection. 
They are prone to legalism. They are prone to depression. Now, I'm not one that walks around in depression, but I am one that can walk around in frustration very quickly, right? They don't necessarily play well with others. And what happens with this is, is that those around them then begin to walk where? On eggshells because they know there is an expectation placed upon them that's, that's higher than what they can obtain. That's a dangerous place to live. You guys have had bosses like this. That, that, personality, that personality can lead to, to boss traits. It, it just tends to do that. It's, a, it's, it's just a personality that does that, right? And it can be good in some, some areas, especially if that person knows Jesus. It can be real good because it, it can accomplish a lot. The other side of that is, is you're going to say, that's the sorriest son of a blank I have ever worked for in my life. I would never be. And so I get it. I hope Jesus does too. Um, so, <coughs> see, my job as a pastor or preacher, if I were to ask you this morning, what is my job? Some of you might say to build the church, but no, it's, that's Jesus' job to build the church. You remember Matthew 16, 18. He says, Peter, you are rocking upon this rock. I will build my church. So what would the pastor's job be? It would be to equip the saints for service. To equip the saints for service, Ephesians. <coughs> So, in order to do that, I think one of these things should be a value that we have here at Harvest, a value of excellence. Matthew 5.14. Matthew 5.14, Sermon on the Mount again. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. A couple of years ago, I, I uh, thought of this scripture. I, I was working a walk to Emmaus and we had a, what they call team meetings prior to the walk. And we had, it was here in Amarillo and it was over at a, at a really fairly nice church, a mid-sized church, what I'd consider a mid-sized church in the prayer room where people would come in and pray for you before you would go out and give your talk uh, was back in the nursery. And I was sitting in the nursery and had my, had my head bowed. And I guess I should have prayed a little longer, but I didn't pray long enough and they hadn't come back to get me yet. And I started noticing things in the nursery. And there were two light bulbs out. Uh, I walked over to the windowsill and even though they had shutters on the windows, it was interesting that uh, as I lifted those shutters, dead moths were just, just lined underneath that. They had died, you know, between, well, I call them shutters, it's blinds. And, and the, the blinds and the window, dead moths had died, and they were just stacked up back there. And uh, I just looked at that nursery and thought, you know, I would not put my kids in this nursery. It was dim because light bulbs were out. And Jesus says, let your light shine before men, that it should be bright, that the bulbs ought to be put in, that things ought to be done in an excellent, not a perfect, but in an excellent way. Uh, the reason I lifted the blinds, by the way, is simply because I saw dead moths on the floor. And I thought, where are those coming from? There was a stack of them. There were a stack of them. So just saying, you know, things like that, that speak loudly. I remember a few few years ago, it's probably been four or five years ago, Brett and I were having a conversation, and one of the things I said is I said, uh, uh, Brett, um, I need you to get Kendra and have her go down and find some really nice soap for the woman's bathroom. 
And he was like, oh, yeah, she'd love to do that. You know, she, she loves doing, you know, and, he, and we got to looking at the budget. And, well, we don't, you know, it's going to cost us to put really nice soap in the women's bathroom up here. And it's because I'd heard Paul talking to, to Brad about putting nice soap in the women's bathroom. And I thought, that's a great deal. What's, what's one thing that we can do better than we're currently doing? And if it comes down to, to really nice soap in the women's bathroom to let them know that we appreciate them, then let's do it. What's, what's, what's $50, $75 more a year going to hurt us, right, to do something like, to do things in excellence? See, what we're trying to communicate is, look, we would do anything for you. We want our lights to shine like Jesus's did. Because people are attracted to this. Isn't it nice, uh, just here a while back, a woman who, uh, whose husband is a professor at WT, and, and uh, she, is, uh, she teaches all over the place, just a really, really neat couple. They, they showed up at our house, and um, they came in and, and sat down on our couch, and I had the, the fire burning, and we were just sitting there, and Alice and I had just, and the kids had just cleaned the house. I, I don't even know why we did it that Saturday morning, but we just kind of picked up and cleaned up and then uh, got the fire going, and we were sitting there, and they came in, and they sat down, and they were only going to stay 10 minutes, and how long do you think they stayed? Yeah, right, right, uh, uh, a couple of hours, and they were finally like, we got to go, and they said, it's so peaceful here. It just feels so good to sit here. And, and that's, that's just creating an environment, right? An environment of excellence where people are attracted to it. Uh, this, this woman had never sat down with us in our house before, right? Um, and and, and so, so excellence should be in our behavior. And my first point this morning is simply that. Learn, learn from Jesus and the Apostle Paul and the Scriptures that our lives are, are to be done as, as in a more excellent way. And that should show up in our behavior. Excellence tends to attract non-believers. And when excellence is found in our behavior, not perfection, because perfection will drive people away. They get tired of being around that all the time. It's pressure. It's constant pressure. Excellence says we're creating an environment for you. Perfection says... I have an expectation that through the environment I created, I have an expectation of you. It, now, did you hear the difference? There's a big difference between that. And so, so what we want to do is create the environment in excellence, right, but not create an expectation, allow God to do that. And that's what the church should be. And we do this in our behavior because it's one of those things that one is modeled. So if you had a grandmother, I bet you she swept her floors. Because grandmothers weren't lazy, you know what I'm talking about? They kept, they kept a nice house, unless you, well, unless you didn't have my grandmother. I mean, maybe, maybe your grandmother didn't, but most grandmothers right, kept a really nice house, which was passed down to my mother. Even when my mother had Lou Gehrig's disease and could no longer walk, you could catch her at times on her hands and knees pushing the vacuum cleaner back and forth. She had, this, she had this thing in her mind that said, you know what, I want to create an environment. My children love to go to her house. Oh, the fire was always going and the lights were always on and there was just this welcoming atmosphere that put no pressure on anyone. It just said, welcome home. This is home. 
right? This is where, where, where I grew up. I can remember coming home uh, from, from the military, and I remember pulling up in Dad's driveway. I came home just to surprise him one weekend, and I was actually being transferred, and so I got an extra day and, and drove home, just thought, you know what? It's on the way. I'm going back to, to Fort Sam Houston, so I'm just going to come through and surprise him. And I remember going down the dirt road and seeing that, that light on the front porch on. And it was probably 11 o'clock at night, and I thought, man, that light's still on. They're still up. This is going to be fun, right? And I pulled up in the driveway, and, I, and of course, uh, Dad, he comes walking and looking out the, the window of the door to see who in the world's pulling up at our house, you know, way out here in the middle of nowhere this time of night, and it was me. And I still remember that night specifically because when I had left, the lieutenant had pinned his bars on me, and they were still on my uniform when I walked up. And dad was like, oh, my gosh, when did that happen? I said, it's a lie. But anyway, it was a lot of fun, right? It was welcome home. That's what excellence does. And excellence should be found in our behavior. First Peter 2.12, let's live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. On the day that he visits us, and by the way, the day of visitation, man, what a wonderful day in our lives. All of us have been visited by God, or you wouldn't be in here. In some way, he's touched our hearts, right? And, and it's led us to a more excellent way, a more excellent path. We oftentimes get skewed in our thinking that God is only for us, but we need to remember that, that God wants us to live our lives in excellence and in this excellent way for the unbelievers, be excellent in our behavior. God died for the non-believer as well. And so by being excellent, it's attractive to them. It provides space for them. Sometimes unbelievers can't see God because of us. <laughs> Sometimes we're the obstacle, right? You may have been that person. I hope not. I have, right? Why don't we call them pre-Christian? Maybe that's the way to look at everyone is just to call them pre-Christian. Oftentimes, they feel they'll corrupt our holy gar or we feel that they'll corrupt our holy garments if we get too close to them, but it's absolutely not true, right? There is a time of visitation, and that time of visitation needs to come to them as well. And we should have a love for them and do things in excellence for that to happen. Excellence creates that atmosphere for people to experience God, to experience God. You know, some of you grew up learning how to pray in church, what? Get me out of here, God. <laughs> if there is a God in heaven, please, end that sermon. That guy goes on forever, right? Well, we want to create atmospheres that do something a little different. And we do that by creating an, an excellent atmosphere. The second thing this morning, and I'll wrap this up quickly. I only have two. Excellence in our morality. This is very important, men, because one of the things we don't talk about enough uh, is the challenges of just being men. Men have uh, are, are distinguished characters for really type A personalities, really pressing and pushing the issue in so many areas, which, by the way, a type A personality can become angry very quickly. And out of their anger, they can sin. <laughs> Where Jesus says, yeah, you can be angry, but just don't sin in your anger, right? And so, so uh, moral excellence becomes very important. Another moral problem that we have today and moral failure is uh, the access to pornography, the access to, to living unholy lives, the things that really do, do tend to damage a holy garment, all right? And, and so uh, alcohol, drugs, 
um, sexual addictions, all these types of things are so much more accessible and available to us today. We live in a tough culture, men, a very tough culture. Because uh, uh, when, when you look and you just name the, the top three challenges of men, I just listed them. And 92% and of men have participated at some point in time in some type of that activity in our culture today. That's huge. Yeah, I, don't, I, I just think they didn't interview men under the age of eight. <laughs> it's so accessible. It's so, so available. I can think of the first pornography I ever saw on the phone, and I'll just give an admission to you right now. I had a, another pastor come to me, and he said he had an iPhone. And, and I had just got an iPhone. He said, man, these things are awesome, but they're killing our kids. And, and I'll just tell you, he's a Wesley Foundation director, so he works at a Wesley, a, a huge Wesley, a very good friend of mine, and he, he pulled it out. And he said, let me show you something. And he just typed in the word sex and pulled that up. And I was like, holy cow, are you serious? There is no filter. There is no. He said, no, any kid can pull this up at any time. And, and that's how accessible, that's how, how easy, and, and all of us know that today. That's been several years ago. It's how easy it is. Moral excellence is found in 2 Peter chapter 1, 5 through 7 says, Now for this very reason, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. Supply moral excellence. He's given us knowledge in this. He's, he's trying to say, hey, look, what's attractive is being morally right when everything around you is morally wrong. That is letting your light shine before men. There are other ways to look at this as well. You know, Turkey, it's amazing to me, you know, is, and, and should be, by the way, that region, has been placed on a list of genocidal leaders. Now watch. Why hasn't the U.S. been placed on this list? We, I love the United States of America. But, geez, we, we, we abort more babies than Turkey does. I mean, way more, right? We have an opportunity, men of God, to have moral excellence, to stand up for what's wrong, right and oppose what's wrong. That is living a life of morality. That's living a life in excellence. <clears throat> Some of us grew up with statements like this. I don't drink or chew or date girls that do. Well, I dated one that dipped. I'm just kidding, all right? But, but we know this, bad company corrupts good morals is what the Apostle Paul says. Pay attention to your company because your moral excellence is at stake. My dad used to, used to say, uh, he used to say it this way, golly, how did he say that? Um, guilty by association. And he had another one that he said that I was going to use this morning. I thought about it on the way up here, and I can't think of it right now. I apologize. Maybe I'll think of it for next week's. So, so here's what it's saying. It's saying that just, just be careful with who you run with, right? Because that can bleed over onto you. So sometimes we have to say no to friendships, and this is something I'm trying to teach my kids right now, is, hey, pay attention to who you're running with, right? Because there is a guilty by association. There is this thing that happens. Um, we, we think that we are really good filters. The problem is we wind up absorbing more than what we realize or recognize from those that we run with. Moral excellence is determining God's value for who he is and what he wants of us. 
I judge myself, you know, oftentimes by my intentions and, and others by their actions. Lyle said that in a meeting the other day, and I wrote that down because we, we will do that. And that is not morally right to judge others by uh, our intentions, right? Or to judge others by their actions and judge ourselves by our intentions because we so oftenly do that. Excellence in our thoughts, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if it be, of, be worth any praise, think on these things. This is a great scripture to memorize. That's Philippians 4.8. Think on these things also means dwell on these things. We live in a culture that is about negativity, about critical thinking, problem solving, figuring out all things that are wrong. Every morning there's a drive to try to form us to look at the negative. The devil attempts, attempts to get us down the first thing in the morning. You want to mess up your family or small group? Just get negative. I still like to go back and meditate on the day that my life was changed for Jesus Christ. I was bound, but now I'm free. And the thing Paul constantly had before him, he finally sees. The first meeting in this church, look, only had six people in it. And that's been less than 10 years ago. It's been less than nine years ago. We're talking about eight years ago. And now we have the opportunity to teach on Tuesday mornings to a lot bigger church than I ever taught, taught to eight years ago. You know what I'm talking about? We had one table of you, men. And today it's, it's turned into to what it is. God is faithful when we live our lives in excellence and provide a more excellent way for others to come and participate in what he's doing. Right? It's good news. And sometimes I have to think back and think, man, the simple beginnings are so important. The, the simple time that I just met Jesus at Cedar Canyon as a kid and he touched my heart and I knew he was real. Right, Going back and thinking on those will lead us on to, to thinking about the things that are true, the things that are honest, the things that are just. What would the world look like if we got up and instead of thinking of all the things we had to accomplish today, we thought about whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is just, whatever is of good report. What would that do for you? Well, I know what it does for me. See, if you can worry about anything, that means you can meditate. And the Apostle Paul says to meditate, to put your mind on these things. 1 Peter 2.12, the more we love, the greater my ability to go the excellent way is. The greater we love, the greater we can discern things in our life. The greater our quiet time will be. There is often a a temptation to take off and to go to work, but, but sometimes we just need to stay in the presence of God a little bit longer. And as you meditate on these things, just know you'll begin to do things in a more excellent way, not a more perfect way, because we are called to be excellent and allow Jesus to be the perfection for us.